What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. Today we had such a fun, I want to say relaxing conversation just because Kimmy was so relaxed. So it was, it really was. It like was. She, she made us so relaxed because she was so relaxed. Um, but we had Miss Kimmy Singh on the podcast. She is a registered dietitian. She's a New York state certified dietitian. Um, she earned her bachelor's of science and physics from St. John's university and her master's of science and nutrition at the university of North Carolina, Greensboro. She completed her dietetic internship at Hunter college in New York city. Um, currently Kimmy holds the position of treasurer on the board of association of size diversity and health. She's also a member of the international federation of eating disorder dietitians and in her free time, which she clearly is doing a lot, but she also co-hosts the PCOS and food piece, uh, podcast with Julie Duffy Dillon, who we had on previously. And before I finish this, um, intro on her, she also talks about all you RD to bees out there. Some really interesting things that are going on in the internship program that she was a part of at the university of North Carolina at Greensboro, which if I could go back in time, I would love to do that program. Anyways, before embarking on her nutrition training, Kimmy began studying intuitive eating and ways to improve one's relationship with food and body with a health at every size approach. Kimmy has experience in PCOS, eating disorders, disordered eating, and weight stigma. She also has a special passion for exploring the role of social inequity and ideas about food and body. Kimmy has a gentle and compassionate approach to nutrition counseling. She supports her clients by meeting them where they are as she encourages them to find joy and healing in their relationship with food. In her spare time, you can find Kimmy strolling through the park while listening to a podcast, baking, or enjoying a funny movie and many more things that she shares in this episode. Yes. <laughs> I was just going to say that some of her favorite things are not listed there. No, um, I updating. <laughs> yes. And of course, we never want to give too much away in the intro, but, you know, I think it's important to just to address like the big question that we, she covered so much more than this, but, you know, as, you know, very, you know, being in this field, we get so many questions from nutrition students to be of, I want to be a dietitian, but I don't feel like, like I belong in this field. She covers that in such an amazing way. And if I ever get that question ever again in my DMs, I'm just sending this podcast right now with Kimmy's Instagram handle. Yeah, it was really great. I mean, she touched on a lot of topics that we've maybe like 
sprinkled in before, but with her own experience and her training and just like the details that she shared and real life experiences that were actually very recent for her, um, just gives so much knowledge in this conversation. That's so important. Yes. So let's get into our conversation with Kimmy Singh. Thank you so much, Kimmy Singh, for being here with us today. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. Yes. That feeling is so mutual. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I didn't even tell you this before we started recording, but I I had talked to Jen a little bit is, you know, one of the questions, which I'm jumping ahead right now, but I'm just like so excited to ask you because I get this question in my inbox all the time is I want to be a dietitian, but I don't see anybody who looks like me. And I'm afraid to go in this field when the majority of women are skinny white women. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're definitely going to get into that in today's episode because (laughs) I have sent so many people to your page, Kimmy, because I'm like, there are dietitians that represent all sizes, colors, et cetera. So we'll get there. But before we do, we love to start every episode with hearing from you, our guest of how have you gotten to where you are today, professionally and personally? You can take 30 seconds or 30 minutes, but tell us like how you became the body positive dietitian, you know, and what got you to where you are today? Oh gosh, such a good question. I feel, I'm trying to think of like where I want to start. So honestly, you can go all the way back. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when I talk about it, I feel like it started in childhood. Like when I approached, I don't know the exact age, maybe it was like eight or nine, but I just started to like have a body size that wasn't as thin as it once was. Like, I don't think it was necessarily fat or larger, but it was just like not as thin. And it kind of became a a topic of conversation in my household. This was the nineties. And I feel like, yeah, there was a lot, there were a lot of really toxic conversations around like children's body sizes in the nineties. And so not only was it like my household, but we saw it on the news and it was kind of like, it seemed like it was this worldwide thing. And as a child, it was a lot to take on. And so, yeah, I think that's about the age that I started dieting in some way, shape or form. Um, And then, yeah, I kind of like went in and out of diets for most, like, I guess all of my teenage years. And then it was after college that I learned that I had an eating disorder And at that time I was just kind of shook. I was like, what, like how, I guess my idea of eating disorders, they were very, very stereotypical. I didn't study nutrition for my undergrad. And so it was something where like, I really didn't know much about eating disorders at all. And yeah, like when I learned I had one, it was really hard for me to believe and it was hard for me to take seriously, but it did resonate with my experience of just sort of having that really toxic relationship with food. And so it was at that time that I decided I wanted to be a dietitian and sort of support folks the way my dietitian supported me. And I think that's kind of like, in a nutshell, how I got here, like personally, but then professionally, knowing that I wanted to be this kind of dietitian before starting my nutrition training, it was, although it was tough because I had to sit in some really toxic classes, it was also really nice because I I learned to find more support outside of the program from like great fat positive dietitians, therapists, who were really excited to mentor me. And yeah, I think it kind of like set this foundation of having a lot of support and a really good network of people to help me get through 
this like exhausting program. <laughs> and I, you know, like, I feel like all students, like college students, grad students, undergrad, whatever, it's a tough time. It's a really tough time in your life and it's really chaotic and you're jumping from deadline into deadline. And so navigating all of that and also navigating the fat phobia, it was, it was something that I don't think I could have done without the added support. Do you ever wish that you could go back into those classes and like call out to the teachers <laughs> and like say things like about how harmful the lessons are? Because now that I like, I think the phrase that Evelyn Triboli said to us in our episode is like, when you know better, you do better. Like now me being a student in those classes, I'd be like, excuse me. Um, but it was just not a thing back then. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it was tough. Like sometimes I tried to speak up, but there were a lot of times that I was just like, oh, I just want to get through this class. Like I don't want, I don't want it to become a whole thing that makes it really hard for me to just get through the class. But yeah, in hindsight, there are just so many ways that I've unlearned that information and so many ways that going through the traditional dietetics training can really like instill a lot of biases and instill fat phobia. So any dietitian that's not actively on learning this stuff, they don't realize that it's probably really sitting with them. Yes. I think that's, that's so impressive, Kimmy, that you got through a nutrition and dietetics, like, you know, program knowing all of this, because Jenna and I, like, we were both like contributing to the harm right? when we were <laughs> in the class. So like, I can't imagine. And that's, that's a really good point too, is, you know, Jenna and I work with a lot of interns. I'm sure you do as well with your, your business. Mm -hmm. And so many of them are, you know, these nutrition students that are saying exactly that they're like, how do I get through this program when I'm taking a weight management course? That's literally telling me to restrict people. And I want to be an intuitive eating health at every size provider. I think what you just said was so important that we can touch on. And I would love to hear from you. Like, what does that outside support look like? Or how did mm -hmm. you seek outside support? Because I've never even thought to tell my dietitian, you know, obviously the nutrition students we work with, we try to help them, but what are some other ways that nutrition students that want to be health at every size aligned? Like where yeah. can they seek that extra support? Yeah. Great question. So I'm thinking of when I first started to get connected it was because we had um, Julie Duffy Dillon guest speak on eating disorders. So I think like if you're a dietitian and you live near a university and like asking if you can guest speak, it could be a great way to sort of like build that bridge between yourself and the students. And then for students, honestly, like I know ASDA, the Association for Science, Diversity and Health, they have like a directory and this directory has a lot of healthcare providers that are totally haze. And if you kind of look through there, you can see who's in your area. I would really just recommend like going to their websites, maybe sending them a request, telling them about yourself. And then I know like outside of getting connected to your local community, there's also, oh gosh, I'm going to have to send you all the link to put in the show <laughs> notes or something, but I think it's called ADDS. I just spoke, they had a panel. It's like something, association of like, Oh gosh, <laughs> I think anti-diet, no, it's sorry, it's anti-diet dietetic students, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah, and so it's, a, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so like they're great and it sounds like they're a great way to find some like peer support 
So I think having peer support can be great. So you just know that you're not the only one going through it, but yeah, it's exhausting. I think another thing is like not internalizing the guilt of if you can't speak up all the time. Cause I know for me, even when I look back, I'm like, oh, I wish I spoke up more, <laughs> but it's also like, you have to trust your body that you're doing your best. So the, sa the same thing that you'll do in the future as a dietitian, encouraging folks to trust their bodies is something you can start practicing now when learning how to advocate. Yes. That like Jenna said earlier and what you just said, Kimmy reminds me of our Evelyn Triboli episode. She, she dropped the bomb of like, when you're talking to somebody, are they reachable? Are they teachable? Mm -hmm. Because if not, like you need to just protect your mental energy. And sometimes even when we speak up, we can leave those conversations feeling more defeated and it like takes mm -hmm. more from us than it actually helped. Um, and so, like you said, releasing, like, releasing that responsibility and giving yourself permission to just like put your head down, get shit done. So then you can move on to bigger and better things. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you're doing right now. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think like, yeah, getting what you need to get done. And I know like for my program, I found a couple of professors that were really supportive. And since then I was able to help change some things in the curriculum or like we'll support them to make the changes in the curriculum. And I've been involved in their um, dietetic internship. So now they have a fully health at every size rotation. So if there are any nutrition students listening that want that Hayes rotation, it's the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And it's a really great option if you're looking for programs. That's amazing. Amazing. Truly. I am. Um, I know we have Sammy opened with a question before we got into your bio that we <laughs> want to get back to, but I was just looking through your Instagram and it looks like one of your most viral posts is one that really is we've already started talking about on this episode, but I just want to read it out loud and just get your feedback on it because it's so powerful. And it says, if your concerns for fat individuals health do not include concerns for how weight stigma harms fat people, then you do not have concerns. You have fat phobia. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that there's ever been a better Twitter post that I've seen that just mm -hmm. says so much in so few words. Um, and I would just love to hear, you know, the inspiration behind that post or the response that you got from it, anything that you can share from that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So the inspiration for this post, I was updating my presentation on weight stigma and I was going through some of the more recent literature on like the harmful effects that we see and how it really has an effect on an, on a physiological level. And I was just like, you know, I learned like all, in all the the news headlines you see so much that's so few like this fear-mongering content and you can just see it's not at all about health and I feel like the way people shame folks the way they try to morally defend themselves is hiding behind the oh no we just care about their health and so when when you do that it's just uh, it's it makes me really frustrated but it also makes no sense come on get it together and it's you know it's funny you're mentioning it now well funny is a, a weird word but you know it's interesting you're mentioning it now because just last night I was at a Mets game and oh my gosh it's really it's really frustrating like I was at a Mets game and there was an older couple and they were in larger bodies and there was a woman like sitting next to them and she kept she wanted to like switch seats to sit further down the row but she kept going in and out and the older woman said like, I'm really not comfortable with you going in and out. Can you please sit in your assigned seat? And I, I was sitting behind them and I was not at all trying to like eavesdrop, but I saw this woman texting the most fat phobic thing to someone about this couple. 
saying like like criticizing them for drinking soda criticizing them for not wanting to go in and out and this is like this is an elderly woman with a cane like it was something that was so inhumane and the whole time she's doing this she's hiding her phone to her chest so the couple doesn't see her doing it and her kids are watching her kids are reading the message like it's just one of those things where I feel like people know it's really harmful and they try to hide behind this whole like oh yeah it's about their health to make themselves feel better and to try to like put some of that shame aside but it, it is really something that you can't yeah you can't hide behind it it's just reality it's your own biases coming out that is what a great example right of pet phobia that like very real time and mm-hmm. how i mean i i just i can't imagine you know like jen and i always like to say we are here to support all dietitians, all medical providers, especially those in larger bodies, because we can't, we can't pretend to understand the fat shaming, the oppression, the discrimination that you face. How do you respond to trolls? Do you even give them the time of day or is it just like, is it Shana, the nutrition tea? She told us block and be blessed. Like get the hell out of here. Like, how, how do you respond to people that just clearly don't get it and are, and are so rude and terrible? Yeah. Good question. I personally don't respond. I, I kind of delete and block and like, yeah, be blessed or not be blessed. It's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, it's, um, but you know, I have to say, I don't, because I say I am not as active these days, I don't get a whole lot of trolls. But when I do, it's just a delete and block. But I always get some folks saying something like, oh, you're never going to have a job or you're never going to be successful. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? I already have a job. Thankfully, I'm I'm doing well with my work. But like, it's just one of those things where people like to assume and people, yeah, it's it's a terrible place online. And I know this sounds so cheesy, but I also like hope those people get their stuff together because if you're on my account leaving mean comments, I can't imagine how unkind you are to yourself or how tough things are for you that this is like how your extra time is being spent. Yeah, I couldn't agree I don't know, more it's really with sad. that. And this, that touches on too what you were saying about the Mets game. Like I just, my first thought, my, not my first thought, my next couple thoughts on this woman is, you know, just how many of her own insecurities mm-hmm. about food and nutrition she must have mm-hmm. um, and the poor kids. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's yeah. that. It says so much more about the way that, about her than it does about anything else. Right, exactly. And it's like, to at that point, are you even enjoying the game? Like it was, it was so distracting for everyone around us, because she was kind of like, overreacting and was so angry. And it was just kind of like, you're taking it, this experience away from your family, from the people sitting around you from yourself. It's tough. Like when it, I think like, for me, when I'm kind of on the receiving end of fat phobia, when I can get to a place where I, um, I guess I'm more grounded in my thought, I really do feel for those people because like, they're not happy and it's, yeah, they might try to like seek out moments of comfort or connection with other fat phobic people. But at the end of the day, when they're kind of alone in their body, they're still sitting with those really painful feelings. So yeah, Yeah. it's tough. But how it says so much about your work and just how, like you said, how grounded you are that you can go from a place that I'm sure years ago that might've been like super triggering, but now Mm -hmm. it's like, you can just sit in empathy for them, like, because of how much work you've done. 
-hmm. for those listening, um, that let's say they're not the woman at the Mets game, right? (laughs) They're, um, they're more, um, informed about health at every size. They're more informed about fat phobia, but they're still recognizing, like I saw a post somewhere the other day, I forget what it was, but it was saying like, if you say you're not fat phobic, but you don't want to be fat and being like, well, that's fat phobia. So do you have any tips or just things that you really go to when you're working with clients um, or even whether it be on social media of just how to address fat phobia, how to be curious about it within yourself and how to really work through it? Yeah. Oh, great question. So I think like for clinicians, whether it's a student or a provider, something I usually remind folks to do is like check in with how many fat people are in your life outside of your clients or your colleagues, because there's something really different when you're seeing someone like as a peer to peer versus more through that professional lens where you're the person of power. Um, And then sort of like if you do see someone in a larger body and they, they fit that stereotype, whatever, you know, whatever it is, like, how does that sit with you? Are you avoiding that discomfort? Like, how does it feel to sit with it to sort of um, maybe like, are you expecting folks to fall into that good fatty, that good fatty um, box where it's like people performing healthy behaviors. I find that for a lot of people that are sort of like maybe on the fence with learning how to check in with their own fat phobia, they're like, okay, like we believe you can be fat and healthy too. And like, I I think that's where I get kind of like, okay, well, and what if you can't, like, what if one day we get a bunch of research and we're like, okay, you can't be fat and healthy. That changes nothing. (laughs) Like you still shouldn't treat fat people like shit. Fat people still, I don't know if this podcast allows cursing. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. You still You're in the right place. <laughs> and also like fat people can still exist and do what they want with their bodies. Like, so I think it, it is a lot more radical than like, okay, we're all, you know, like trying to love our bodies and it might feel safer for someone to engage with that positive fun side of things. And maybe to check in with a part of them that wants, wants to sort of run away from the tougher parts might be a good way to get started. That's awesome. Such, such great knowledge. And I think it comes back to a lot of what intuitive eating is based around or, or held at every size. It's just that continue to lean into the curiosity about like, why is that uncomfortable for you? What's mm-hmm. coming up? Um, whereas diet culture is very black and white. And a lot of times people that are engaging in fat phobia are very like good, bad, like they can't see that gray area. So really starting to Mm. lean into that. Oh yeah, exactly. And I imagine that like for anybody listening, when they start to lean into that gray, it'll probably help them in a lot of areas in their own personal life where they're struggling to embrace that gray. Well, I feel like we're at the point right now where we should go back to that opening question, but I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> I can remind you. It was just that, it, and it kind of goes right off of that because I think I think a big part of it is, you know, when we think about traditional nutrition and dietetics, there's no class, well, in my experience, I had no classes on fat phobia. So I think that can be helpful for just what you just spoke about for these future RDs to be, to like really lean into that. But I guess my question for, or our question for you, Kimmy, is these future dietitians, right? We want to change the way all of us, I would agree, are pretty much on the same page. We want to change the way that dietitians are showing up. We want to remove the guilt and the stigma and the shame and just practice out of a body positive, fat positive lens. 
for dietitians or future dietitians, let's say that reside in larger bodies, what, mm-hmm. what tips do you have for them of how to be confident and to show up in this space and let them know how much they're needed? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a great question. A, a couple of things. Like one is it definitely gets better in terms of like when you're a dietitian outside of the training process, you have autonomy. I think what's really scary about the training process is it sort of feels like this RD title is something being held over your head and you don't know if you're ever going to get it, especially because you feel so ostracized by the actual profession. So that feeling goes away and there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think for me, the most beautiful moment was when a client said, like, I've never had a healthcare provider that looked like me before. And it was, it was just something that really sat with me. It was early on. And yeah, so knowing it gets better, I think, yeah, another one is like having your space to sort of like disconnect from all things like haze, nutrition, food related. I know like all dietitians get burnt out of all the food talk, but then when it comes to like haze and fat phobia, because I literally experience these things like on a day-to-day level and it's also my work, I need to have some outlets outside of it and some hobbies outside of it. So now that I have the time to, <laughs> that I'm not like, you know, tied into school, it's been really nice to have more time um, outside of that. And I, if I were to go back to my student self, I would sort of encourage myself to do that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the last thing I would mention, probably the most important is like good therapy, like good size affirming therapy. I definitely don't think I would have been able to get through it if I didn't have that support. Yeah. Amazing. And Jen, I, I feel like maybe you telepathically have the same question in your head as me. Kimmy, what are some of your favorite hobbies? Completely <laughs> not related to health at every size, nutrition, like nothing related to this podcast. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm going to be totally honest. I'm kind of like into house plants, but some of mine are not thriving right now. <laughs> so so it's, like, like, it's like a struggle. It's a struggle hobby. You can see some of my plants oh. behind me. One of them is like a prayer plant. that's like on the verge of going, but I will save it. I will save it. So like learning more about that. I've been enjoying like watercoloring and coloring with my friends on FaceTime. That's been a really fun part of the pandemic. I learned how to give myself my own manicures. Like they're not perfect, but it's all. Yeah. (laughs) The pandemic really helped me with some hobbies at home. Um, I really enjoy, uh, what's it, what was I going to say? Oh, I enjoy time with my cats. I had like adopted two cats over the holidays and that's been really fun. What else? What else? Um, I love gardening. And now that I'm back in New York City, I don't have like a lot of space to garden. So I'm trying to do some like balcony garden gardening. So it's just, yeah, learning how to do the urban gardening thing is fun. I can try to like have more, yeah, just sort of have more greenery in my life outside of the indoor plants that are struggling. <laughs> so. I literally, like, I can't keep an orchid alive. Like they don't die. <laughs> yeah. and I, can't keep, I can't keep a succulent alive. It's really say. hard. Like, yeah, I was gifted <laughs> this beautiful succulent for my sister-in-law recently. And like literally within two weeks, it's like almost done. Like it's, yeah. So I'm trying to bring hard. it back. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. And I, I thought the only way you can like um, kill a succulent is by overwatering it. But this succulent is shriveling up it looks like it's drying up. So I watered it a lot and that did not help. And yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, my mom embracing... comes over. What'd you say? She, 
my mom comes over oh. and like will inspect like my plant sometimes and she like took my dead orchid a couple weeks ago and was like you need to shun it it needs to like it needs some time like in its own corner and I was like okay <laughs> it's never gonna happen and the thing is fucking blooming in the corner of my house that I never go to it hasn't been touched it hasn't been watered hasn't been looked at I'm like oh I don't understand gosh. this <laughs> that is so funny like an introvert orchid that needs to be away from everything it needs to be alone <laughs> yeah and you know I feel like my hobbies don't like interact well because my cats I love them but they love to like mess with my plants and so it's a whole yeah so finding a way for those to coexist is still a process um yeah and I've been into board games that's another one it gets heated during Monopoly oh my gosh yeah it gets heated we've had some like board flips not me other people <laughs> it's yeah it's really funny <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that you brought this into the conversation though, because a lot of people don't have that piece of advice. And I know that's been something that's been really important for me in this journey. And Jen, I'm sure same for you is like, it's so easy to just get wrapped into this, especially with the social media. And if you own your own business and it's just like this Mm -hmm. never ending conversation, like you'll find yourself on the couch at like nine 30 at night, like responding to DMS. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? So like angry. Yeah. Like (laughs) getting a life outside of your work and doing things that make you genuinely happy are so important. So thank you so much for offering that up in this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. It's, it's been really fun, honestly. I mean, my, my Instagram is so neglected, but so I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the balance of (laughs) holding space for both. Yeah. Well, it's giving people a chance to go back and look at some of the knowledge bombs that you have on here too. Um, There's a post that you reposted, I think that was about, it's about more than health. Um, And I think that one's really powerful too. You were talking about how you're presenting at a presentation, Um, but that topic alone, we could do a whole other episode on. So maybe we will have you back for that because that leaves me with lots of questions Um, (laughs) just about all of the work that you do. And we're so grateful. Um, Before we get into like our final, final questions, we always Mm. like to ask our guests on here if there's anything so if somebody listened to this entire episode and they were like, I need one thing to go home with, I want mm. one final bit from you, what would that be? What would you leave them with? What would be the most important thing that you would want them to hear out of this conversation? Oh gosh. Okay. Give me a moment. Let me take your time. <laughs> <laughs> I have quotes like all over my Instagram. office. So I'm looking around <laughs> for inspiration. Oh my gosh. You know, okay. I think more than anything, I say this to my clients all the time. I think sometimes we get caught up in like waiting for like food to be perfect, like our relationship with food and body to be perfect. And I think in reality, as long as you have ebbs and flows in life, like there's just going to be times where you're feeling maybe a little bit different about your body or like your like food doesn't feel like it's ever at like a perfect place. And I think part of this is learning how to like embrace that. And it, and it, it doesn't mean that things will always feel disordered or like diety. That's not at all what I mean. But I think sort of stepping away from like one day, everything will be fine to more like, oh, that day is here. I can try to embrace this moment the best I can. Like there's the quote, um, what is it? Bloom where you're planted. I really like that. So like really thriving in this moment. Comes full circle with your plant as well. Yes. Oh my I gosh, that's that. so true. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. 
I love that. And so Kimmy, for people that are listening that are like, I need to find her, I need to learn more, where can they go? um, And where would be the best place for them to find you? Yeah. So I know we talked about this behind the scenes, but I'm kind of rebranding. So I'm going to give my current like handles and website, knowing that like everything will be able to be redirected, including social media. Like I'll have my updated one where this account was. But so um, my website is bodypositivedietitian.com and my Instagram where I'm most active usually is bodypositive underscore dietitian. And yeah, I would love to hear from you if you are a student or someone that wants to be a dietitian and you just feel like you don't fit in the profession, please reach out. I would love to support you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kimmy, for everything that you shared today. Thank you. For being here. My pleasure. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves and follow along with us on social at what the actual fork pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will see you next week for a lot more fun.